Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by their good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you visit the website johnsonsairconditioning.com also brought to you by naples illustrated bringing you infinite luxury lifestyles the website is naplesillustrated.com we have terrific guests for today's show including william yateman <clears throat> william yateman is a uh, research fellow with the cato institute we'll visit with naomi perez she is the president and ceo of the immokalee foundation still doing great work in immokalee uh, aaron haney the national policy director for reform alliance will be with us we're talking about uh, what we should do about prisoners and coronavirus and Dave Bigo is the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep. It is March 27th, and on this day in 1912 in Washington, D.C., Helen Taft, wife of, uh, wife of President William Taft, <clears throat> the only president to serve as uh, not only our president, but also as a Supreme Court justice, and Van uh, Viscountess uh, Chinda, wife of a Japanese ambassador, planted two Yoshina cherry trees on the northern bank of the near the Jefferson Memorial. The event was in celebration of a gift by the Japanese government of 3,020 cherry trees to the United States government. The planting of the cher uh, Japanese cherry trees along the Potomac was the first proposed by socialite Eliza Skidmore, who raised money for the endeavor, Helen Taft had lived in Japan while her husband was president of the Philippine Commission, and knowing the beauty of the cherry blossoms, she embraced Skidmore's idea. After learning of the First Lady's interest, the Japanese consul in New York suggested making a gift of the trees to the United States government. In uh, January 1910, 2,000 Japanese cherry trees arrived in Washington, D.C. from Japan, but had fallen prey to a disease during the journey. In response, a private Japanese citizen donated the funds to uh, transport a new batch of trees, and they arrived. And, of course, if you've been to Washington, D.C., one of the things growing up in Washington, D.C., we used to look forward to is waiting for the cherry blossoms to come out. It meant spring was right around the corner, and it is absolutely a beautiful sight. Well, that all started uh, on this day you know, in 1912, thanks to uh, the wife of President Taft. Well, Collier County Commissioners are set today to weigh whether to require residents to stay at home and close non-essential businesses, potentially the most drastic measures to, uh, to date to slow the rapid spread of the uh, novel coronavirus. Commission Chairman Bert Saunders called for the emergency meeting, which is scheduled for 1 p.m. today at the Commission Chamber and will be streamed live on county website and asked the uh, county attorney to draft the proposed order. With some exceptions, the order will require all people in Collier County to stay at home. All non-essential businesses in the county would have to cease activities, except for minimum basic operations and hotel short-term vacation rentals would not be allowed to take new re reservations until further notice. The order would apply to Naples and Marco Island, as well as those uh, cities. Could, uh, they could pass more stringent measures. The bottom line, Saunders said, is that the number of cases in Southwest Florida is increasing dramatically, he said. I think we need to do everything we can in the next couple of weeks to stop the spread of the virus. Caillou confirmed in its first three cases of a novel virus on uh, March 11th. After two weeks, uh, Thursday morning, there were 65 confirmed cases in the county and the number of hospitalizations stood at eight. 
that seems <laughs> it seems like pretty fragile evidence to do go through this. But nevertheless, uh, they certainly have more information than I do about this. But nevertheless, there have been no deaths so far in Cuyahoga County, and uh, neighboring Lee County has three due to the virus. You know, here's the complica- uh, the consequences of this if it uh, if it happened if they vote for it, which I suspect they will. Uh, health and safety-related activities and uh, tasks, including the, for family or household members and pets, such as seeking emergency services, obtaining medical supplies or medication, or visiting healthcare professional, that would inc- uh, be essential activity. Obtaining necessary supplies and services for themselves and the family or household to deliver those services or supply to others, including groceries and food and household consumer products. That would be allowed. Engaging in outdoor activity like walking, hiking, running, or biking, provided the individuals comply with the social distancing advised by the CDC. Certain types of work, including providing essential products and services at essential businesses, which I'm sure is going to be, hey, wait a minute, I'm doing something essential here. And taking care of others, uh, including a family member, friend, or pet, uh, transparenting family members' uh, activities. Those will be allowed by this order. Yesterday, the uh, U.S. became the country with the most reported cases of COD uh, of COVID-19 in the world, surpassing Italy and China. About 85,000 people are known to be infected, and more than a thousand have died. Earlier this week, President Trump said he'd love to have the country ready to uh, go by Easter. Now he's taking a weekend to reassess his plans to open up the country by reducing coronavirus restrictions. Probably have to wait a little longer that. As Mnuchin called it, it was an aspirational goal to open up the country on Easter. Probably have to be delayed. Worst-case projections for the spread of the coronavirus aren't supported by evidence emerging from outbreaks in China, South Korea, or Italy, said Deborah Burtz, uh, the immunologist advising President, uh, Vice President Mike Pence. The predictions of the models just don't match the reality on the ground in either China, South Korea, or Italy, she said at a White House news conference yesterday. She's previously criticized a study by researchers at Imperial College in London that predicted as many as 2 million U.S. deaths from the disease could occur, or about five times the size of Italy. So if we were uh, Italy and you did all those divisions, Italy should have close to 400,000 deaths, she said, and we're not close to achieving that. Italy has had the third worst outbreak in the world after U.S. and China, with more than 80,000 cases and more than 8,200 deaths, according to Johns Hopkins University. Burtz has said the worst-case Imperial College projections assume the virus sweeps through the United States in three stages from 2019 to 2022 without the development of a vaccine, and Americans abandon the social distancing behavior that is, uh, has just been in operation for a while that's hobbled the economy. The study has influenced the public policy around the world, including the United States, by encouraging suppression of the virus through social distancing, despite the economic costs. Models are models. We're just adapting now to the reality, Burt said. There's enough data now of the real experience with the coronavirus on the ground to really make the predictions much more sound. Projections that large fractions of the population would be infected in a relatively short time, she said, don't appear to be supported by actual experience with the outbreaks. Boy, that's reassuring. With people talking about 20% of the population getting infected is very scary, but we don't have data that matches that based on experience, she said. There's no reality on the ground that we can see that 60 or 70% of Americans are going to get infected in the next six to eight weeks, she said. Reassuring. Good news. And I think there's a, what's been uncoupled now is the national view of this through her. She's a pretty, she's a real smart lady. 
and uh, what's happening here locally. I think uh, a lot of this is driven by fear. Um, as I said on the show before, life has risks, and uh, we should be able to, to uh, assess our own desire to, to accept risks as we live our lives. I understand that the uh, national government, the state and local governments, will need to uh, do their own assessments, but I think they should allow as much freedom as possible while looking to guide us away from uh, disease. Well, the Dow Jones Industrial Average wrapped up its strongest three days in nine decades on yesterday as the rec uh, record weekly U.S. jobless claims came in below investors' worries and fears, and the focus stayed on the unprecedented $2 trillion stimulus awaiting approval by the House of Representatives. The Dow Jones Industrial Average rose by 1,351, or 6.38%, a nice gain yesterday. The Dow is up 21% from its Monday low, establishing it's in a bull market, according to widely used definitions. It's the strongest Dow three-day performance since 1931. The number of Americans filing claims for unemployment surged to 3.28 million last week as statewide lockdowns brought the economy to a halt and unleashed a wave of layoffs. The median expectation of analysts polled by Reuters was for 1 million claims, but the top end of the forecast was as high as 4 million claims. It's probably uh, 4 million by now for sure, probably up to 6 or 7 million uh, now that we've passed the Thursday uh, announcement. <clears throat> Expectations are high that the United U.S. House of Representatives will pass the stimulus measure to support distressed industries, including airlines, after the Senate cleared the proposal. It would flood the country with cash in an effort to stem the crushing economic impact of the intensifying pandemic that's killed about 1,000 and nearly 70,000 people in the United States, and with an infected 70,000 in the United States. Adding an upbeat uh, sentiment to this whole thing, Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell said that the central bank stood ready to act aggressively to shore up credit in the market on top of the unprecedented policy easing announcement on Monday. So uh, they're, take, they're watching this carefully as well. One, uh, one fly in the ointment here. Uh, Furious lawmakers voiced serious concerns on Capitol Hill Thursday that a Republican House member could go rogue and possibly scuttle a vote for the $2 trillion Cronus package. Uh, that's supposed to happen today. However, many of the members of the House of Representatives are not at the House. In fact, it's estimated there's about 50 to 70 to about 150, and they need 212 to have a quorum. So if uh, this one guy, Thomas Massey, a Republican from Kentucky, tries to, ha he tries to ask uh, for a, a hand vote, there needs to be a quorum if there's, not a, uh, if there's not a voice vote. If there's not a quorum, then of course it all has to be delayed and people are going to have to fly back into Washington, D.C., the members of the House, to have this vote. On, I don't know what Thomas Massey has on his mind, but it's uh, very disruptive. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also, Naples Illustrated, bringing you infinite luxury lifestyles. The website is naplesillustrated.com. Coming up, we're going to visit with William Yateman, Research Fellow at the Cato Institute. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network.
I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Shore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards with six full productions this season. But did you know that Gulf Shore Playhouse brings unique theater education programs and opportunities for children, teens, and adults alike? Education is a vital component of Gulf Shore Playhouse's mission, providing programs aimed at enriching the lives of our children, teens, and students of all ages. Each offering provides real-life skills and learning experiences that are invigorating, nurturing, and readily accessible to every member of our community thanks to the scholarships and reduced-price programming for our region's most deserving students. From in-school residencies and pre-professional theater training to community partnerships, audience engagement, and student matinees, the goal is to inspire creativity, encourage self-expression, and support the blossoming of self-confidence, collaboration, and a deep appreciation for the arts. With each passing year, Gulf Shore Playhouse continues to touch the lives of tens of thousands of students throughout Southwest Florida. Isn't it time that a young person in your life finds out more? For more information about student camps and the Teen Conservatory, visit the website golfshoreplayhouse.org. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. You can find out more by visiting the website, golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Dave Bigo, the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep. Right now we have with us William Yateman. He is a research fellow with a terrific organization, the Cato Institute. Uh, William, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Bob. It's great to be here. Thank you, William. And, you know, I've been fiddling with these knobs. Can you hear me clearly? Um, I, I can hear you. It's not as crystal clear as it would be on a landline. I'm on the cell phone, but I can hear you. Okay, can you that's, hear me? I can hear you just fine. So that, that was our test. So, so William, uh, tell us about the Cato Institute. Well, we're a free market think tank here in Washington, D.C., and we're advancing the cause of liberty at, at every level of government. And doing a great job. Cato.org is the website. C-A-T-O.org. Well, we've got a lot to talk about because right now, apparently, uh, Nancy Pelosi is going to hold a voice vote. She's, she's assembling the House this morning at uh, 9 o'clock, and they're planning on a vote at about 10. One problem, uh, there's only about 150 mo at most 
uh, members of the House who are there. So she uh, apparently can do this without a quorum, with a voice vote, but apparently this Thomas Massey, who's a Republican from Kentucky, could try and sidetrack this whole thing, saying, hey, we don't want a voice vote, we want a, uh, we want a real vote, uh, hand vote, we want people to be accountable. And if that happens, that means a lot of people are going to have to get on airplanes, uh, fly back to Washington, D.C. to make their vote. And, of course, they're furious about that because of the risk of coronavirus. So there's a lot of issues here, among them the constitutional issue about having this vote. So what are your thoughts? Well, hell, i, I got to say I'm with Representative Massey here. Um, Pelosi, I, I don't think it's too much to ask for the nation's lawmakers um, to vote in person and to, honestly, to deliberate carefully when they're about to allocate um, you know, what is it, up to $2 trillion of the public's money. Um, I'll note here, it was, what was it, in 2010 when the pa- the House passed the the Affordable Care Act, um, also, I guess also known as Obamacare, mm-hmm. um, but Pelosi famously said of that 1,500-page bill, um, when asked whether or not she or most members had read it, she said, well, we have to pass it to know what's in it. Yeah. Uh, or something to that. I will never, I'll never forget that, William. I mean, you sh- I... I can't believe she said that, <laughs> but she did. She it came out, you know, she, again, she was the leader, um, and she said that. It was, it was quite a remarkable concession, and I don't think that's good enough, and I don't think that's a uh, controversial opinion. Hmm. Um, so, yes, I would very much like, as I understand it, the Senate version of this bill increased um, from 200 pages to 880 pages in, in a week, and, and again, I'm not su- suggesting, um, I'm not a macroeconomic policy expert. I'm a lawyer, I'm a regulatory expert. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, I don't, you know, the extent to which we need a government response to this uh, coronavirus, um, you know, the, the seems plausible. However, at the same time, um, you know, I have read some fairly alarming reports about monies that don't sound as though they were going to emergencies uh, related to the coronavirus. All right. I read $75 million for the, the Kennedy Center, um, or, you know, virtually billions of dollars, scores of billions of dollars worth of sort of goodies packed in there um, by representatives and senators in order to, you know, the old-fashioned earmarking. Right. Um, so that, that is, they ought to deliberate on that. They ought to discuss and ask, you know, real questions. Yeah, um, but as to whether or not all this money is indeed dedicated to a, a coronavirus-related emergency. Well, well, so of course, we know it's not. And of course, in, this, in the entire deliberation, I mean, there's $300 million from undocumented uh, workers <laughs> to get some sort of support, unbelievably. But, uh, you know, the, the message is, well, this is the best we can do, so hold your nose and vote for it. And they say that uh, if both sides are unhappy with the result, it's probably a pretty good law. So, But on the other side of this, too, we have uh, millions Millions of people that are out of work, many living paycheck to paycheck, don't have money for food and for supplies and for paying their rent or their car payment or whatever it might be. So we do have this emergency going on. Uh, it's a it's a difficult situation. It is. I'll note here. Um, well, I'll say this. Um, what you say is exactly correct. Um, however, I do. What part of me wonders how. Um, scores of millions of dollars to to um, the National Endowment of the Arts and whatnot. Uh, how that relates to the ongoing uh, crisis we've got with this coronavirus. I'll also say this: 
Um, what we've learned and, and what even progressives have come to recognize is, is that our response in many ways to the coronavirus, the government's response, and in the private sector's response, uh, there was a famous report 10 days ago about the, by the New York Times, no less, about how needless red tape at the federal level had, had made it much more difficult for private parties in Seattle yeah. to, to implement a test they had come up with on their own. And, and they ended up doing it in, in defying federal regulations and federal law, and thereby, arguably, according to the New York Times, saved lives. What I'm getting at is, on the one hand, yes, it's uh, some element of stimulus. I mean, I'm not a macroeconomic policy expert, but that does sound reasonable. On the other hand, I'll tell you what else sounds reasonable. Um, lifting some of this regulatory red tape that gets in the way yep. of the market doing what it does I mean, in America, which is, you know, the business in this country is, is business, and usually business is good, um, and red tape gets in the way of that. So uh, I would have been referring to this as phase three yeah. of their coronavirus response. Um, so I would hope that phase four, perhaps they'd give a look to uh, deregulatory measures that would sort of uh, entail a stimulus of the economy without the government getting involved, and yeah. with the government merely getting out of the way. Uh, wouldn't that be nice? It reminds me of the old saying from a, a libertarian uh, when, during a crisis, don't just stand there, undo something, <laughs> which is... <laughs> Indeed. I mean, the entire Environmental Protection Agency has said they're not going to... generally won't seek penalties if the companies miss deadlines for pollution monitoring, sampling, and so forth. So uh, it would be great. I think this is a great opportunity to do exactly what you said, which is to deregulate the country. Uh, right now, what we're experiencing in Collier County is uh, they're uh, assembling an emergency meeting of the Collier County commissioners today to vote on whether we should shut down the economy and uh, you know be housebound except for certain essential activities like getting groceries, going to the doctor, and so forth. So. Uh, to me, it looks like a big Me Too movement. Oh, gosh, the county next door did it. we got to do it, too. I, what, whatever happened to us taking personal responsibility for our health and understanding the risks involved with it and going about our lives? Well, uh, goodness gravy, and I certainly don't want to dip my toes in these waters because uh, <laughs> it's, it's become, uh, we speak every week about how everything has become politicized. Right. And alas, I mean, uh, here sitting at home, I've been monitoring the, the social medias of the world and, and online media, and gosh, wouldn't you know it, if this hasn't become bitterly politicized as well, such yeah. that... Um, even the things that you're mentioning, sort of, uh, which I think so many Americans wholeheartedly agree with, like which is, well, you know, we've done this for two weeks, and let's start thinking about the end game. Let's start at least having a plan for the end game. Um, I'm seeing mindless partisans digging in, seemingly um, on behalf of the argument that things are terrible and that things should remain terrible. And right. I'll say this: I don't know for sure. I can't get inside their minds, um, but. Gosh, it, it kind of does seem as though there, there, there are attempts out there to play this up in order to wound the other side politically. So um, it, it is, uh, I'm getting a little stir-crazy here. I won't, <laughs> I won't lie to you. It's been 17 days or so. We've got a three-year-old at home. Um, they've canceled school through uh, uh, April 26th. But, um, you know, it, that's, uh, I, I hope that's something that is, is being kept in mind, sort of, you know, there, there has to be an end game. I hope, and I, and I hope our policymakers are sticking that through, and um, I would hope the public and these, uh, the, the, uh, the elite 
political class. I mean, I'm not using that as a pejorative, but but uh, I am. I would. You know, I do hope <laughs> that it's unfortunate part of the politicization uh, of everything um, sort of doesn't further grip this issue. And yeah. I hope we can all sort of uh, look forward to that day when we're all walking on the same sidewalk again. <laughs> Absolutely. William Yeatman, again, uh, research fellow with the Cato Institute. I encourage you to visit the website cato.org, cato.org. William, just genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I love doing it every week. All right. Thank you so much, William. All right. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with uh, Naomi Perez. She is the president and CEO of the Immokalee Foundation. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice are the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Do you have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. I proudly serve on the board. Creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. Well, at least after the pandemic, anyhow. You can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Dave Beagle, the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep. Right now, we have with us Naomi Perez. She is the president and CEO of a fantastic organization. It's called the Immokalee Foundation. Naomi, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, Bob. Thank you. Thank you, Naomi. Can you hear me clearly? Um, it sounds a little muffled, but, um, 
Uh, I apologize for that. I've been fiddling with knobs, Naomi, trying to figure out some of this equipment. So in any event, uh, tell us about the Immokalee Foundation. What's it all about? So the Immokalee Foundation was founded in 1991. Our mission is building pathways to success uh, for the children of Immokalee. We serve over 1,400 students a year. We focus on education, vocation, and life skills, and we offer students the tools, opportunities, and support they need to succeed at each level of education, whether they choose college, vocational programs, or certifications that can lead to financial independence. Our foundation's programs enjoyed an outstanding, we enjoy outstanding results. 100% of our students graduate from high school and go on to post-secondary level. Yeah. And 91% graduate with a college degree or certification. Now, th th these are amazing results because consider these kids, uh, in many cases, are uh, the children of farm workers. They, and they you know, don't necessarily have a vision for what the future can be. And your program of mentoring, your program of uh, training, and all these things that are going on really elevate. I mean, I heard some of the young people who've gone through the program speak. It is just unbelievable. Uh, what they've been able to accomplish. Now, we're in shutdown. We've got this coronavirus right now going on. We've got the, the county commissioners meeting today with poss possibly shutting down all non-essential activities. Uh, how are you dealing with all that? Um, you know, it, it has affected you know us as, as well as it's affected everyone, but we are adapting. Um, we're virtually open, and we're serving over 300 students in middle and high school. Um, so we've not skipped the beat. Um, we have provided 70 laptops to our students who did not have access to one. Uh, so technology has really allowed us to stay connected with the students and the families. That's fabulous. So, in other words, the kids are, you know, they are still participating in programs. They're getting guidance. They're moving forwards irrespective of uh, the inability to get together and sit in classrooms. That's correct. Yep. So um, we're able to ensure that they have uh, not only the resources academically uh, to support CCPS, but also, um, you know, we stay connected with them to connect them with available resources within the community. Um, you know, c connecting with their students and keeping that contact is very important. Um, you know, many of them don't have uh, much support, and so being able to, you know, stay connected through technology has really been uh, not only helpful, but a blessing to both our um, staff and, and the students as well. Yeah. So I'm familiar with the mentoring program and the chat. You know, kids, when they decide that they'd like to participate, they have to, I think, uh, declare that they're going to stay free of drugs. They're going to meet uh, with their mentor. They're, you know, there's certain requirements for them. And when they meet the requirements, they're willing. And some of these kids are really at risk. I mean, they're you know, not doing well in school and so forth. They turn out, uh, you know, as you pointed out, amazing graduation rates and amazing participation going on to college or, or other types of training. That's correct. So um, our mentors, uh, as well as we're virtually open, are still able to connect um, with their mentees um, to continue their sessions. Um, but you're absolutely right. We do have a highly selective um, selection process. Mm -hmm. uh, and, our, and our kids do have a pledge. So they pledge as you mentioned, to stay drug and crime free. They pledge to have good grades um, in school, good behavior in and out of school, um, but also give back to their community. Um, so our students are highly motivated. They are determined. 
Um, and so um, we, what we do is just continue to provide that support um, and just hold them accountable. Yeah. And for our listeners that may be looking for something meaningful in their lives, I'll tell you right now, I have uh, friends who are mentors and they maintain contact now with not only kids that they mentored since the seventh grade, but who are now graduating from college and moving on with their lives and maintain contact. It's a thrilling thing to hear about how kids blossom, how they gain uh, a vision for their lives, how they gain confidence and, and maturity. I'll never forget being in a session for the Immokalee Foundation, seeing this young lady stand up and uh, asking her dad for dinner during, uh, he, he was uh, picking tomatoes, two shifts. Uh, during uh, the summer, and he said, I'm sorry, I don't have anything for you to eat except for a tomato. <laughs> and she said, to this day, I, I hate tomatoes. <laughs> but <laughs> but the point is that she was working for the Hyatt Comp uh, Corporation in uh, in uh, uh, Miami, and she had a big job, and she had a lot of responsibility. She was so well-spoken. To me, it's just thrilling to see the results. Yeah, I mean, our students are, are very, you know, they're amazing, they're intelligent, and so um, they have, you know, what we call a lot of grit and, and perseverance. So, um, yeah, our mentors will stay connected with students um, all the way through, you know, um, I have some that, you know, have started families and, and you know, are um, in their career. Yeah. It's, it's for sure, a lifelong uh, relationship and friendship. That's so cool. So, um, uh, and you had mentioned you have a program that you'd like to let us know about. I've forgotten what it is, but I think it's something to do with Pathways to the for the Future. Yeah, so um, last year we uh, introduced uh, path, our new Pathways to Success, mm -hmm. uh, or Pathways um, Initiative. Um, and so we build, we're building upon the college preparatory programs um, but to include technical and business skills. Uh, so this past summer, we implemented these new programs. We're emphasizing on career exploration and hands-on life skills. Um, and so these skills will lead them to well-paying jobs um, in the student's chosen career path uh, and financial independence. Um, so as you've shown um, and throughout our own research, uh, it really demonstrated that we needed to focus on guiding students into well-paying jobs um, that will be in demand uh, here in Southwest Florida. Yeah. So the four professional career pathways that we've uh, selected or chosen um, to focus in are healthcare, business management, and entrepreneurship, engineering and construction management, and education and human services. Yeah. So the majority of these uh, well-paying jobs are available to students who earn um, an industry-recognized certification and credentials. Uh, in addition to the professions that require a college or university degree. So we've worked with um, uh, industry experts, our local education partners, and we've revamped our entire 6th through 12th grade curriculum with the sharpened professional careers. Uh, so, so this initiative um, will provide students with an understanding um, and experience within the in-demand Careers. Sounds like a students terrific program. Excuse yeah, me, no, that. will I, enter high school with their own career plan um, and graduate high school with an industry recognized certification. Naomi Perez, again, uh, President and CEO of the Immokalee Foundation. You can visit ImmokaleeFoundation.org. ImmokaleeFoundation.org. Naomi, genuinely appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Bob. Truly appreciate it. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with. Uh,
Erin Haney, she is the National Policy Director for Reform Alliance. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the uh, Bob Harden, uh, I'm getting a little bit confused here, Bob Harden Broadcasting uh, Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For the best in food and drink, as well as great live entertainment, go to the Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar. Formerly known as Weekend Willie's, the Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar has terrific new local owners offering a great new upscale decor and a fabulous new menu. Linda and I are weekly regulars to hear live blues, but you can stop by anytime for great food and drink, to watch your favorite sporting event, or to hear great live entertainment five nights a week. The Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar is located at 5310 Shirley Street, just off Pine Ridge Road, and it's open from 11 a.m. until close every day. Visit the website dogtoothnaples.com or call 431-7004. That's 431-7004. I hope we'll see you there. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. And hopefully this is going to be a very short recession, nice rebound in the stock market yesterday, although futures are down uh, about 600 right now. I'm talking about the Dow Jones Industrial Futures. So it may be a, uh, a pause. It may be uh, breathing out right now for the market. be great to see just another nice day. And, of course, we have the complication and the drama of this Kentucky uh, Democrat congressional uh, leader who's suggesting he may want not a voice vote but a quorum for of the House of Representatives to vote on this $2 trillion bill. And if he does that, it's going to create uh, lots of drama. So we'll see how that works. However, the uh, Foundation for Government Accountability, terrific organization. You can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org, thefga.org. Well, Venezuelan President Nicolas Maduro stood defiant in the face of a $15 million bounty by the United States to face drug trafficking charges calling President Trump a racist cowboy and warning that he's ready to fight by whatever means necessary should the U.S. and neighboring Colombia dare to invade. 
His bellicose remarks Thursday night came hours after the United States announced sweeping indictments against the socialist leader and several members of his inner circle for allegedly converting Venezuela into a criminal enterprise at the service of drug traffickers and terrorist groups. One indictment by prosecutors in New York accused Maduro and Socialist Party boss uh, Cabello, head of the rubber stamp of Constitutional Assembly, of conspiring with Colombian rebels and members of the military to flood the United States with cocaine and use the drug trade as a weapon against America. Uh, Maduro, of course, is a former bus driver who fashions himself as an everyman icon of the Latin American left, said the charges were politically motivated. He said that they ignore U.S. ally Colombia's role in the main source of the world's cocaine and his own role in facilitating peace talks between Colombia's government and the country's rebels over the past decade. Here's a quote from uh, Maduro. Donald Trump, you are a miserable human being, he said. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Maduro railed uh, during their televised address, you manage international relations like a New York mafia extortion artist and you once were a real estate boss. Uh, what was some of Maduro's most venomous rhetoric against uh, Trump ever came with a threat of a military force if one day the imperialists and Colombian oligarchy dare to touch down even a single hair, they will face the Bolivian fury of an entire nation that will wipe them all out, said Maduro. Uh, this with poor people losing 40 pounds down there on average, scavenging through the uh, trash in order to find something to eat. It's just really sad. Earlier, Venezuela's chief prosecutor opened an investigation against the opposition leader, uh, Juan Guaido, for allegedly plotting a coup with retired en- uh, Army General Olivia Alcala, who's being named in the U.S. indictments, said he had stockpiled ass- assault weapons in Colombia for a cross-border incursion. Without offering evidence, Maduro said the Drug Enforcement Administration was behind a plan by Alcala to assassinate him and other political leaders. The indictment of the uh, functioning head of state is highly unusual and is bound to ratchet up tensions with Washington as as the uh, spread of coronavirus threatens to collapse Venezuela's short-plagued health system. Uh, Maduro has ordered Venezuelans to stay home in an effort to curb the spread of the virus, which officials say has affected 107 people and claimed its first death Thursday. Uh, Criminal acts to advance a a drug and weapons conspiracy that dates back to the charge of Hugo Chavez's revolt in 1999 occurred as far afield as Syria, Mexico, Honduras, and Iran, uh, the indictment alleges. Attorney General William Barr estimated the conspiracy helped smuggle as much as 250 metric tons of cocaine a year out of South America. The Maduro regime is awash in corruption and criminality, Barr said in an online news conference from Washington. While the Venezuelan people suffer, this cabal lines their pockets with drug money and the proceeds of their corruption, and this has to come to an end, said uh, Barr. The coordinated unsealing of indictments against 14 officials and government-connected individuals, along with the announcement of rewards of $55 million against Maduro and four others, attacked all the key planks of what Barr called the corrupt Venezuelan regime, including the Maduro-dominated judiciary and the powerful armed forces. In Miami, prosecutors charged Supreme Court Chief Justice uh, Moreno with laundering in the U.S. at least $3 million in illegal proceeds from case-fixing in Venezuela, including one involving a General Motors factory, much of the money he spent on private aircraft, luxury watches, and shopping uh, (laughs) at Prada. Unbelievable. So uh, Maduro's uh, defense minister was charged with conspiracy to smuggle narcotics, 
Uh, it's a, just a very corrupt regime, and uh, of course, I think this is all coming at a difficult time for Venezuela and the United States right now, but $25 million bounty, I can't imagine that somebody won't step up and uh, deliver Maduro uh, for $25 million uh, bounty. That's just un unbelievable. So uh, Maduro has long accused the U.S. empire of looking for an excuse to take control of the world's largest oil reserves, likening it as a plot to the 1989 invasion of Pot Panama. Uh, but Barr and Abrams, the State Department special envoy at Venezuela, are driving the hawkish U.S. stance towards Maduro, much as they pushed for Noriega's ouster in the late 80s. They didn't do it, of course, but uh, other people did it. So, uh, uh, I have a, <laughs> my, my last interview is calling right now, so I'm going to go to commercial break right now. So we're going to do that more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Do you or a family member suffer from chronic pain in your knees, hips, or shoulders? Joint pain can be a nagging and serious problem requiring expert and compassionate care. I know I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. Until 2006, I was suffering debilitating pain and deformity in my knees. I couldn't enjoy biking or golf or even sleep without chronic pain as a constant companion. Thanks to Dr. George Markovich and the professional staff at the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, my pain is gone, and I'm back to doing the activities I enjoy with no pain. I have a lifestyle I can only imagine. Imagine prior to knee surgery, and you can too. Call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. They will thoroughly evaluate your condition, provide personalized, state-of-the-art treatment, and help you relieve your pain and get back to your active lifestyle. At the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, your care will be professionally managed through every phase of your recovery. For an initial consultation, call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, located off Tamiami Trail in Bonita Springs, at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. You listen to The Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulabee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-3889 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. Visit the website, gulfshoreplayhouse.org. We have with us Dave Bigo. Dave is the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep. He's the owner of a, of a business uh, that uh, has about 6,000 employees doing business in over 40 states. It's big business, and uh, so they, uh, SEIU wanted to unionize them. Uh, they said, uh, Dave just signed this neutrality agreement. We'll go sign up your uh, employees as uh, as uh, union members. He said, nope, if you're going to unionize our shop, you're going to have to do it with a secret ballot. 
And uh, he refused to sign the document. And two and a half years later, after attacks on him, his family, uh, his customers, the community, whatever they could do, all the dirty tricks they could play, they tried, uh, they tried against Day, but he prevailed. And they ended up just leaving. And, uh, well, Dave wrote a book about it. It's called The Devil at Our Doorstep. Dave, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for having me on, Bob. Um, uh, hope you got nice weather down here. We're about ready to get hit by thunderstorms. Uh oh. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. For it's looking clear out there. It's looking nice today. So, uh, Dave, uh, I, I noticed that uh, there's a language that supports the unions. No doubt, the uh, put together, put through by the Democrats as part of the negotiation process to get this two trillion dollar bill. Uh, I think one of the things, one of the, and I'm sure you know a lot more about it than I do, but one of the things they want is to, uh, be, for employers to remain neutral if uh, companies receive loans uh, from this uh, stimulus program from the federal government to sort of stay neutral on unionizing. And I'm sure you know more about it than that. What, tell, me, tell us about it. Well, it's, uh, it's, 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 <laughs> it's, it's true as what you're saying. It's a perfect clause that, uh, you know, the bill will give the unions the ability to uh, go out and uh, force unionize uh, companies by going in and talking to these employees and working on and pushing them and everything and uh, probably get them to sign a neutrality agreement. And uh, um, and it's all because, you know, well, you businesses, you're getting loans in that and uh, uh, stay open in that, and you ought to be able to take care of uh, the members and uh yeah, your employees, and they ought to become members of ours. And uh, you know, this is this is a chance for the unions who have been way down on membership over the past um, many years to mm-hmm. try and climb back up. And, uh, and this is part of what they're trying to do. Yeah, I mean, uh, to my knowledge, as I recall, back in the early '80s, uh, 21% of the country was unionized. And talk about workers. Now it's down to, I think, less than 10%, if I'm not mistaken. So. These people are fairly fairly desperate, and and by the way, I want to mention that this is not an attack on unions. SEIU uses dirty tricks. Some unions, especially trade unions, don't uh, participate in that kind of behavior. They do a good no, job. No, they don't. Uh, there's some good unions out there, and uh, but back to what uh, you were talking about on this um, uh, 2.2 trillion package bill they're trying to push through, and hopefully it gets voted in this morning. Yeah, but. Um, what unions are uh, taking credit for, and they're talking out to employees and, and other people in the media. Uh, employees got a wage increase. We did that. They get sick pay. We did that. Yep. Get a check from the government. We did that. Got unemployment, unemployment pay. We did that. So this, you know, this is all the stuff again that the unions are doing. They go out and they don't, you know, they don't tell the truth about things. No, they don't. It's just unfortunate, Dave. I, I'm watching this this whole process of building legislation, this emergency bill that's pushing through. And they're, in spite of the fact that they held off on funding, I believe, uh, a Planned Parenthood, they held off on a number of requests, uh, Green New Deal stuff, all that. So they were able to negotiate that out of it. But there's still a lot of pork in this thing that have nothing to do with the recovery of this uh, country, great country, uh, during the coronavirus uh, epidemic. Now, this is all about the election in uh, November, and uh, they're trying to do things so they get votes and uh, make tr- Trump look bad. But I want to go back to the same with the unions. Um, one thing that um, uh, employer, employers should do um, is uh, they're, they're getting pushed by the unions with this um, 
uh, $2 trillion package is uh, look for the silver lining. Um, and, uh, you know, there's no shortage of terrible news today. Uh, so we're in a crisis, but go out and look for the silver lining, help your people in that, uh, counter the union messaging, and uh, prepare to uh, return to the new normal. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think those are good points. They are good points. I mean, right now, I think the president, as Mnuchin has put it, uh, has an aspirational goal of opening the country up after Easter. That looks like it may be a little bit premature right now because uh, down here the county commissioners are voting today, as I said earlier on the show, to uh, close the county down and uh, to put it put us under only essential activities uh, for, uh, outside. So uh, while the president is trying to open us up, we're seeing the local governments are trying to close us down. Yeah. Well, it's you know it's that way across the country. And just a couple of things before I get into that coronavirus, just a little bit more is. Did you hear this morning that the uh, Prime Minister, Boris Johnson, uh, British Prime Minister, he tested positive for it? He he did what? I'm sorry? He tested positive for the coronavirus. Oh, did he really? British Prime Minister. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> it's getting close to home then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh, funny. and uh, But, you know, going back to the coronavirus, um, the um, in America it's up to about 86,000 cases and uh you know, I think the news and the media are, are overblowing this because, you know, 86,000, you know, that's a lot of people. Yeah. And I hope and pray that they all get better. And um, But 86,000 is less than 1% of the U.S. population. Yeah. And uh, you look at it here in Indiana, we have 645 cases. That's less than 1% of the population. Mm-hmm. And um, I think if people do the right things, though, you know, they uh, keep their distance from other people, stay out of the social gatherings and and that we can we can get this thing taken care of pretty quick. Oh, I think so. I mean, the president basically said, you know what, handshaking may become a thing of the past. And he's absolutely right about that. I mean, with the flu and these other things that are happening right now, I think the shaking hands, well, the Japanese, I think, bow <laughs> instead of shaking hands. There may be some logic in that. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, it's funny as I go out and uh, uh, meet people and that, uh, you know, we keep our distance and, uh, you know, they... They they stay six feet away and they wave at you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but they won't uh, shake hands or even fist pump or anything like that. It's uh, but that's good because we we got to keep people from getting it if it's around. Right. And, uh, you know, it seems to be in more in the larger cities than that, and that's where you have people coming in from um, outside the nation and that. And I'm, I think they're bringing more in with them. Yeah, I think the, if I'm not mistaken, half of the uh, deaths and serious situations in New York City right now, which is of course a large population. But just going back a couple of weeks ago, uh, the, the mayor, de Blasio, was saying, hey, go out, just take the subway, don't worry about this, this thing is all over, <laughs> overblown. That's great leadership, huh? <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting what's going on right now. And, uh, you know, um, I think if we continue, but I was going to tell you here in Indiana, you know, uh, our governor has basically closed down the state. Businesses have to close down. People can't go to work, and they got to stay home and stuff like that. The only things that are open here are, um, uh, you know, restaurants aren't open, but they can do carry out. Mm-hmm. The only things that are really open are grocery stores and, and, and some other places where you can go in and buy uh, uh, things you need for your home and stuff yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. It's, uh, it's pretty well locked down, and they were even, and I have to tell you this because I know you're a golfer. <laughs> Uh, they were gonna they were gonna lock down all the golf courses. People couldn't go out and play golf. Yeah. But um, um, we uh, some of us got involved in it, and uh, 
we got the governor agree to um, uh, the IGA here got the governor to agree to uh, leave golf courses open, but people have to walk. They can't be in golf carts, and you got to keep your distance six to eight feet when you're playing with somebody. Yeah, no, that, well, I think that makes sense. Uh, I'm actually I was not planning on playing golf today, but I'm going to play golf today. The re- reason is because at one o'clock, I suspect I won't be able to play golf anymore after <laughs> the Cuyahoga County Commissioners uh, meet. So. Uh, and, and to your point, though, I mean, uh, there's things at the course that we were at that they don't even have sunscreen out because they say you multiple people touching it could pass the virus along. So they're being super, well, that's super. exactly right. And on our course, uh, we don't want people to touch the pins. So we have these cup things that you put in. Yep. But the, the cups are about two inches above the ground. Yep. And you don't touch the pin, but if you putt and you hit that uh, cup edge that's up above the ground, then it's a good putt. You yep. just pick your ball up and walk off. Makes the game a lot easier, doesn't it? Yep. <laughs> it certainly does. But, uh, yeah, so it, it, we're all going to get through this. I, I think we need to have some sort of a balance between, you know, life is risky. Uh, you take risks all the time in your business, executive management services. You do a great job. But uh, you didn't get where you are today because you didn't take risks. So we need to accept the risks involved as uh uh, we f- we found out actually a lot of people we don't even really know how many people have the virus but the death rate is less than one percent they say now which is like we're, we've lost twenty five thousand people to the flu this year this flu season and uh, right now in the United States we're up over a thousand people from the corona death from the coronavirus so deaths from the coronavirus so I think this is all out of proportion yeah I think so too and we got to uh we got to get this thing back in line and get people back to work and get the economy thriving again. And the longer we wait, as the president points out, the more difficult it's going to be to revitalize and get these these companies back to productivity and profitability and uh, more importantly for people to get back to work and be able to take care of their families. So that's, this is a big, big deal. Yes, it is. And uh, I hope they, uh, they do it soon and they back off some of this stuff and... Uh, We'll see what happens. Indeed. Dave Beagle, again, the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep. I encourage you to get a copy of the book and read it. Uh, it it's, like, it's like a mystery, a murder mystery. You can't make this stuff up about the types of dirty tricks that these people pull. Dave documents it and uh, tr- about the travails of dealing with union bosses in his book, The Devil at Our Doorstep. I encourage you to get a copy. You can do it at Dave's website, just re- redone, the website is called thedevilatourdoorstep.com. At my website, bobharden.com, you can get a copy at a nice discount, of course, at all book purveyors around the United States. Dave, always appreciate your commentary here in the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, thanks for having me on, and uh, have a great weekend and great weather down there. Yeah, thank you so much, Dave. He's expecting thunderstorms, so... I uh, feel sorry about that, but nevertheless, well, that's a wrap here in today's show. We had well, one little blip in the show, but I think I had fun, and I certainly learned a lot from our, our great guests. Uh, I hope you'll join us on Monday. We're going to visit with Mark Schulman. Mark is the founder and publisher of uh, HistoryCentral.com. We'll be talking about current world events, which I'm quite certain the coronavirus is going to absorb all of our time. Uh, and, well, there'll be other events, maybe about this, what's happening with Venezuela. We'll visit with Larry Reed. He is uh, the President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. And we'll visit with Jim McTagg. Jim is uh, the former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. 
Uh, he had his Washington Press Pass credential in the White House. He's now written a couple of books since his retirement. His latest, Shake the Money Tree, about uh, how legislation is used to shake people down. It's really a great read. So we're going to do that. I hope you make it a great day and weekend on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. <laughs> so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs> <laughs>